We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. It's that time of night, you can't stay uptight, so come and join the people and I'm feeling alright, here on old. America. He's the author of The Mission, journalist David W. Brown, joining us again on Overnight America. How are you? Doing very well, and yourself? Good. I uh, was very happy that during the day, this broadcast that they had from NASA with the Perseverance landing on Mars was so exciting. They did a great job in their presentation of it all, explaining everything that was going on. It was fun watching it with my son. Did you get a chance to watch it today? I did, yes. What was your emotions, your thoughts, as you were watching this uh, historic landing? It it, it, it sort of ran the spectrum, particularly when you consider that um, NASA makes it look so easy. But in fact, landing on Mars is it borders on impossible. I think um, when we look at the history of every mission NASA's ever flown, including the, the Mercury program, including Apollo, including our exploration of various worlds, um, the the NASA or the uh, the Mars program is undoubtedly uh, the most successful of anything NASA's ever done. They've had nine consecutive successful missions to Mars, including six landings. That's unprecedented. There has been some unsuccessful things in the past. Was it just two years ago, I think, India tried to send a rover to the moon and that crash landed? Um, it's it's a very difficult thing to think that it's easy is completely wrong because you have to rely completely on the computers and the programming to be able to judge the situation in real time, considering we can't control it in real time here from Earth. It is a real harrowing mission. If you can kind of give us an explanation of why it's so difficult to send something like this to Mars. Well, for in the case of the Perseverance rover and previously the Curiosity rover, these are enormous vehicles. They each weigh about one ton um, they're about the size of a you know a, a jeep, and um, they carry incredibly delicate scientific instruments. So, when it comes to landing them, you you can't do it the way we've done it customarily. So, when you look at like the 
the Spirit and Opportunity rovers, both of which were were fairly small, fairly small vehicles. I think they were about the size of a lawnmower. Um, you, they literally inflated as airbags and just bounced on Mars like a giant's plaything. Just bounced for uh, kilometers and kilometers, and then the the airbags deflated and they just sort of unfolded and got to work. For something like uh, Curiosity or, in this case, Perseverance, uh, you don't really have that luxury. They're too heavy, which means you've got to find a way to contend with Mars's very wispy atmosphere, um, not enough to inflate uh, a parachute as you would need to sort of drift down to the surface. You've actually got to... um, you've got to find another way to to supplement that parachute. And so that's going to require retro rockets. Well, you have a hard time firing retro rockets and parachute at the same time once you drop that heat shield. Um, Then you've got to find a way to set the thing down gently because those delicate instruments, right, um, they could could break at any given moment. Um, In aggregate, what you're looking at is... um, is just an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. And so NASA's come up with a sort of Rube Goldberg-type project where you've got um, parachutes, retro rockets, a sky crane, uh, the sky crane flying away. It's it's an extraordinary achievement. Everything has to work perfectly the first time, and humans aren't involved. Computers are doing everything. Yes. And done it successfully. That is so true, and how difficult that is to sit there and wait. And you can really judge the level of anxiety in that room as they're just relying and waiting on word back from Mars if the thing landed properly and safely. And they had a thing called the heartbeat. I think this is the first time I've heard that. So it was like almost a a beacon that was coming back to give you a, a indication if all signs in all of the different mechanics were working on this rover, which was kind of cool too. Yes. Uh, sort of that telemetry data is just vital for engineers. If some, of course, if something goes right, but particularly if something goes wrong. And when we, uh, when we look at previous uh, failures by different space agencies to land things on Mars, um, that telemetry data goes right back to the engineers and they try to figure out what went wrong and how can we fix it next time. That's how NASA learned how to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they learned very well. You have to take every indication you can get. I was really impressed by how quick the photographs came back. So apparently there was a uh, camera, um, mm-hmm. a certain camera that was meant just for you know initial photos. And I watched this and everyone celebrating and it seemed just a couple of minutes later they had their first image from this rover on the surface of mars and i thought man that's so much faster than i remember the other missions have they figured out ways to communicate with this rover in uh, quicker ways than previous missions i think that's probably more a function of um of, of good public affairs i think um um NASA knows the value of engaging the public, who, of course, is paying for this sort of thing. And uh, you can say a rover landed, but you want to sell something, you want a picture from it. And, <laughs> that's, and, right. and that's what that was. But, but, I mean, customarily, they do send out pictures very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I don't think I've ever seen it disseminated so fast, which is, which is wonderful. I mean, it, 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 it was a deeply moving moment, and I think it's going to inspire a lot of people to sort of go into the sciences and engineering. 
they're very good at explaining what you're looking at. So when you looked at some of those initial photos, they said, okay, this was taken immediately after it set down. So there's still a lot of dust and things in the air after it landed. So that's why it looks a little fuzzy and it might be on the camera lens that way. And it looks very similar to other photographs we've seen from Mars before. My son was asking me, why is it black and white? And I, I tried to answer him uh, and I said, it's it's a pretty long distance to send these back. This is probably the quickest way to send a photograph back because it takes less data. I don't know if that's the case or not. The, uh, the it's interesting. Different cameras are are color, and different cameras are black and white on on, on the spacecraft, whether whether in space or actually on these uh, on these rovers. And and the way that works is, first of all, these are super delicate. Uh, 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 imaging equipment and um, super high resolution, and have to, and you have to do a lot of science with it. Now, if you're carrying two cameras, you don't need to build two overly sophisticated cameras because if one of them sees color, the other one can just see black and white just as well, and you can use sort of the color spectrum captured by the other camera in the black and white one. The idea is to redu- the idea always is to reduce complexity. Make these things as simple as possible. Have as few things as possible break. And uh color versus black and white, that's that's an example of that. Perseverance lands on Mars. Everything looks good. All signs look good. Uh author of the mission and journalist David W. Brown joining us. I'm curious what exactly is this mission? So what are the things that they're hoping to accomplish with this rover? Uh there are several uh pretty exciting things, I would say. First of all, they're looking for evidence of um, any sorts of biosignatures, right? So any sort of past microbial uh, life on Mars. And so they're going to, they're going to study, they're going to study rocks on there using the, using onboard instrumentation on the, on the rover. They're going to look for, um, just generally, look at the habitability of Mars and try because Jezero Crater, where it landed, uh, is a former lake bed. I mean, it was once filled with rushing water. Um, and when we look at our own seas, of course, we see a, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, of life and and fossilized, you know, evidence of past life. It's also then this is the most exciting part of the mission. I think it's going to be caching samples. So what it's going to do, it's going to, it's going to drill into Mars. It's going to bottle up um, or put into tubes uh, pristine Martian soil, and it's going to deposit those tubes somewhere. And a subsequent mission is going to go there, pick them up, and launch them back to Earth wow. for, for analysis in our labs. So since it's so hard for humans to get to Mars, we're going to bring Mars to, to humans. That's a cool thing. A historic day in space exploration. NASA's Perseverance lands on Mars successfully and safely. We're going to continue our conversation with David W. Brown. He's a journalist and author of The Mission right after the break on KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. He's the author of a book called The Mission that looks at some of the different missions and what it takes to even get a mission off the ground when it comes to space exploration and NASA. The decisions that are made and relevant to what happened today with NASA's Perseverance. The Mars rover landed successfully on the Red Planet. David W. Brown joins us. The idea of some of these parts of the mission being exciting to me 
I was very happy to learn that there's a microphone on this thing. And I thought, I don't know what they're going to learn with a microphone on the rover. Um, but it'd be cool as an audio guy, as a radio guy, I want to hear what it sounds like to stand on the surface of Mars. So what do they hope to get from that? Well, I mean, the obvious, of course, is just what does Mars sound like? It's a weird, it's a simple thing when you think about it, but it's a thing that we don't know. And uh, for the first time, we'll have an answer for that. What does the breeze sound like? Is it cool? Is it, is it gentle? Is it rushing? You know, is the, can you hear dust or gravel sort of rolling along in the distance? Um, these, are, these are deeply human things that we're going to find out because every time we send a mission to Mars, or any world, really, uh, we learn a little more, a little bit more about it. So they're going to be techno and, songs based on the audio that's released from NASA. They're going to use that as and loop them for dance moves and things. Oh, I have no doubt that we're going to see some pretty <laughs> clever things come from it. But making these worlds real is is vital because again, uh, you've got to keep the public engaged in this sort of thing. I'm sure there's all sorts of science they're going to tease out of it, but I do think that as a public relations thing, it's a fairly inexpensive instrument to carry. And uh, it's something that I think we're going to find almost, if not more, moving than we do uh, images. It is harrowing thinking that, you know, close to $3 billion, it was like 2 to $3 billion, I can't remember the exact number of how much uh, went into this. When you think that all of it could be destroyed if something goes wrong, I was impressed the visuals they had during the presentation of the uh, Perseverance Mars rover, where they showed... Even during the landing phase, I guess they had these special sensors that were trying to help them manage where to land and things. And it's like, this has a very specific purpose. You know they worked forever. An entire team of people worked forever on this one sensor that's used for just a second, and it'll never be used again anywhere else, or at least in, in that purpose. So I thought that was, it's amazing all the little parts that go into this and how much of a large team effort it is to make this one thing work and come together. You're exactly correct, and, and that's, that also speaks more broadly to the, to the space program in general. So, for example, NASA is endeavoring right now to also go back to the moon and then go to Mars, right? And a lot of people might ask, well, why don't we just, re why don't we just rebuild the Apollo program? We already know how to do it. And the answer is yes, technically, but of the million parts, say, in a Saturn V rocket, you know, the one guy who knew how to build that one part, you know, deep in, inside of it, he's dead, and there's no <laughs> blueprints to do it, and there's no manufacturer to build it. So it, it's the sort of thing where um, you've got to maintain a, ro a robust and ongoing capability to do this sort of exploration. So now that we've been to Mars, you know, successfully for the ninth time, we've landed on it successfully for the sixth time, we need to land on it for a seventh time. We need to go there for a tenth time. We just have to keep that, keep that cadence going. Otherwise, it'll perish, and then you have to rebuild it from scratch. And as we're seeing with the, with the moon program, it's very, very difficult to rebuild something from scratch. Oh, that's such a good point. I think our dishwasher is like five years old. They don't make it anymore, and it's a hassle to find a part if something goes out. Imagine trying to find something 50 years ago for one project where the person, they have no idea uh, who made it, how they made it. Yeah, you can't even do that for your dishwasher with a modern equipment, let alone some equipment from 
uh, the space program from the 70s. Uh, I wanted to ask you a few questions from my family as we were watching this together during the live feed, and I think you might like a few of these. Uh, my son was very interested, and he asked about the gravity on Mars, and I said, I think it's pretty similar to Earth, but I'm not 100% sure. So what does the uh, landscape of Mars look and feel like compared to Earth? Well, uh, Mar- first of all, it's probably useful to, to realize that, that, that uh, Mars is a lot smaller than the Earth. Um, it's, it's almost, uh, I think it's like four times larger than the, than the moon. I, I, I don't have those numbers handy. But I do know the, the, the gravity of Mars, I think, is something like 38% of Earth. Oh, right? okay. So you're going you're gonna to weigh a lot less there. Um, despite the size of Mars, again, being relatively small, and, 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 and why that matters is, uh, you know, we're talking about habitability. We're talking about, you know, these previous these previous oceans that once sort of washed across the surface. Um, when we look at a world like Venus, it's it's almost identical to the Earth in terms of size, in terms of composition. Mars is a weird one, though, and uh, one reason for its size is, or its diminutive diminutive size is. Um, is actually Jupiter, and and which is which denied Mars a bit of material to uh, to grow as large as it possibly could have. But 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 the old to answer the question in short, yeah, it's about thirty eight percent of Earth. But um, if you were standing on Mars, it would it would look no different than Earth, right? It would still have that big sweeping horizon. It's not like you'd see curvature or anything. You wouldn't even see that on the Moon. In fact, yeah, so, that's interesting. It, uh- I look forward to astronauts going there and finding out for sure. <laughs> yeah, I do. I am too. That's something else my son asked. Has any person ever stepped on Mars? And I said no, but the plan is they want to. And there's a lot of uh, obstacles, and missions like this make it uh, a little bit closer to figure it out. Watching the NASA presentation of this today, they mentioned how they're going to try to find ways to convert the materials that they can grab from the uh I guess the atmosphere or whatever into oxygen, and that could be used in different ways. It could be used to, you know, help when it comes to the air you'd breathe, and maybe even use as a fuel. So there's all kinds of things that they're going to be testing in uh, this whole moving laboratory on wheels. It's pretty remarkable everything it's going to be able to do. Um, one other thing, my wife asked if we were watching a live stream from Best Buy because she believes that the JPL uniforms look like the Geek Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so the the I know I don't I informally what I've heard over conversation is um when everybody wears whatever they want during these big sort of mission moments what you don't want is somebody wearing something inappropriate and um and 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 offending somebody and sort of distracting from the giant achievement that that, that these sorts of landings or or mission encounters can be so they 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 designed just the most generic <laughs> Uh, and inoffensive <laughs> shirts that everyone is required to wear, so that when those cameras sweep across it, nobody can say how you know why would somebody wear something like that? Right. <laughs> um, is there a cooler space song than David Bowie's "Life on Mars"? I, uh, maybe a, a, a space oddity. So yeah. I think uh, he's got he's got <laughs> I both think of Bowie them. Bowie pretty much has the has a lock on <laughs> cool space songs. <laughs> Okay, so it's amazing, this mission. Um, how long are they hoping this mission lasts? Because we look at the previous missions, like Curiosity, it's exp- it expanded much further than what they anticipated the rover would be able to handle on Mars and still continues to do cool things. Um, wait, hold, is, is Curiosity still active, or is that inactive right now? No, Curiosity's still rolling. Wow. I thought uh, there for a while they were afraid it was going to stop, and then it must have had a second life to it. 
Well, the uh, so so Spirit and Opportunity uh, recently switched off, and those were, you know, those were ninety day missions, and they ended up running, I don't know, something like nineteen years or something, just <laughs> not, not just absurdly long amounts of time. Um, in the case of uh, uh, Perseverance, I, I I forget exactly what its prime mission is supposed to be. Probably something like a year, maybe or or two years, to achieve all of its objectives, but. Um, there's no doubt that what NASA's hoping for is that these things, you know, they roll for 20 years. Curiosity as well, and and they're they're built to last. I mean, Perseverance originally was going to be a reflight of Curiosity hardware. They were just literally going to take the spares out the shed in the back, cobble this one together, put some new instruments on it, and uh, and send it on its way. But but JPL learns a lot from every single aspect of uh, of the the Curiosity experience, and and indeed. Um, we, you talked earlier about the telemetry coming back, that heartbeat. They study that telemetry that still comes from those rovers to see what the what the weak points were and how can they strengthen them. So things like the treads on the wheels, which are actually beginning to wear out on Curiosity, were totally redesigned for Perseverance so it can drive farther because there's a, they have a better understanding of the composition or, and the, the texture and the integrity of, of, of Martian soil. That is cool. Once in a while, you catch a picture of it. You can kind of see the wear and tear, but designed in a way that even if a chunk falls off of it, it's still mobile. He wrote a book about exploring Europa and the possibilities of that moon. It's called The Mission, but it also intertwines with what we're seeing today with the Perseverance Mars rover, because that was another mission on NASA sites at the time. And journalist David W. Brown will continue our conversation with him right after the break. And a look at your weather, too, on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinal's Open Live. Sponsored in part by Norm's Bargain Barn and Wilkie Windows. On your voice in the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. You can find me on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. I love space stories, and today was a big one. NASA in their Perseverance rover landing on Mars. What a historic mission. The author of a book called The Mission, David W. Brown, joins us here to talk more about Perseverance. What can we expect timeline-wise for Perseverance? Is there anything, uh, landmarks of what we're hoping to get back and how soon before we start getting more things back? I think the uh, probably the big exciting 
next moment aside aside from as it, you know at first it's going to switch on all of its instruments they're going to test everything out that's going to take a few days if not a few weeks they're going to make sure everything on the spacecraft is okay because launching something from earth is very traumatic and landing something on mars is is probably more so um so we're going to begin seeing some extraordinary pictures and things like that um but the big moment, the big thing that I think everybody's looking forward to, one thing that uh, the Perseverance rover is carrying is a helicopter, a little sort of... Um, like a drone. Yeah, a little miniature helicopter that, that, that is going to serve as sort of a reconnaissance vehicle. Um, and that's going to take flight. I'm going, I'm going to guess in the first couple of months. I don't know if they've even announced uh, when that first flight is going to be, but... Um, It'll also be the first time where we can actually see a, a spacecraft in action on another world from a third-person perspective, so that helicopters can be able to point at the rover as it's moving along, and vice versa. The rover is going to be able to point at the helicopter and, and get a look at that. So we're we're in for some firsts that are that were literally unimaginable even, even 10 years ago. And I, I, uh, I cannot wait for these things to get moving. Yeah, so that little helicopter, is it mostly going to be used to help it along its path? Because I remember a few times with Curiosity, they were worried about the terrain, and they had to make some tough decisions on which way to go based on the satellite imagery. And they could only zoom in so much on that. And I thought, wow, if they had a little drone like this one, they'd be able to make a better decision. So is that what it's mostly going to be used for, or is there other uh, things that this drone will be used for? It, it, well, in one way, it's a Pathfinder uh, spacecraft. So they're just, they're just trying to see you know, what it can do, how it performs, um, because they're, obviously this is not the last airship that we're going to send to Mars. Um, but yeah, it, its primary and I think uh, chief purpose is in fact um, choosing those routes exactly yeah. like you say. You know, do we go left? Do we go right? Do we go 10 feet forward? Do we go 5 feet forward? Uh, what rock is cool on the horizon? What you know, if if we look to the immediate left or to the immediate right, uh, 50 yards away, which has the cooler geologic features to study? Which looks like the thing that could have, say, I don't know, would be would have been more hospitable to ancient life? Things like yeah. that. So the so the helicopter is going to do, going to uh, be an incredible enabler of science. Yeah. And, and and incidentally, I did look and so they 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 aim to have this thing launched uh, within the first 30 days of this mission. So hopefully by March, we're going to, uh, we're going to see that Rover and we're going to see some new vistas of Mars. That is so cool. There's so many different things that, um, I've learned based on the curiosity Rover. Do you know if this perseverance Rover will be able to sing itself a song like happy birthday? Cause I know the curiosity Rover will sing itself a little tune on its birthday. And I thought, I wonder if they added any little, fun touches like that to this one. Oh, I, I have a feeling that, that there are all sorts of cool little things uh, built into this thing that, that we don't know about yet, but I, I, I have no doubt that there's going to be a happy birthday thing. Um, well, you can hear I, it this time. We can actually hear what it sounds like to sing itself happy birthday. That's, I'm wondering if there's going to be a little speaker on there and, and a little microphone to hear that. How, how incredible. Like, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm grinning right now thinking about that because it, it's not something I thought about. But it also speaks a lot to the whimsy of these engineers, right? So we think of this as like, because this is some serious business, hardcore engineering that these guys are doing. And um, to have the sort of, you know, to, to keep it a labor of love, you get those sorts of little Easter eggs in these, in these sophisticated and extraordinary vehicles. 
and um, it, it speaks also to the importance of the you know keeping the humanities in mind whenever you're also doing uh, uh, the math. Keeping the humanities in mind, that's a great way to put it. So there's so much that this thing is going to be able to bring back. And now Curiosity has some competition on the face of uh, Mars there, which it'll it'll be super cool. How, you know, how far removed are these two? Are how, Like how the distance between these two rovers, are they on completely opposite sides of the planet? Do we know if it's uh, like that far away? I, yeah, I... I, I, I haven't looked at a map lately, but I, but I do know that it's it, it's in a considerable dif- considerably different place from uh, from Curiosity. Interestingly, though, one of the potential landing sites for uh, for Perseverance before they chose Jezero Crater was, if I'm not mistaken, where either Spirit or Opportunity are presently sitting, like where they they've been switched off and they're just sitting there. And one reason that they were going to send they might have sent Perseverance there was to scan it for evidence of, like, microbial infestation, Hmm. right? Because um, it's very difficult to decontaminate a spacecraft. Like, life is really good at surviving once it takes hold on something. Right. And what happens is, you know, NASA cleans them as best they can. They launch them to space, but these microbes even survive in space. Hmm. So the the question was, would they proliferate on Mars? Ultimately, it would also be kind of cool just to see those old rovers, see an old rover just sitting around on, on, this, on this abandoned or, or this empty planet. Uh, alas, they didn't choose that. But, yeah, that was a consideration. Oh, that's cool. I love all of this. So very exciting. Uh, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Uh, there was a lot of nervous uh, people, I'm sure, watching all across the world. But NASA, they got it going on, man. They did this and uh, made it look easy, and that's a true testament to all of the, I don't know how many people worked on this, thousands of people, maybe even more, tens of thousands, who knows, that uh, was on part of this. And it's just one of the other missions of NASA's, uh, everything they're looking at. Your book, by the way, The Mission, uh, talks about another upcoming missions and things they're doing. Let's, I, I should make sure we give a mention to that. If anything we've talked about today interests people, the, the rover on Mars, there's so many other cool things going on in space. Maybe you can talk about what you wrote about in The Mission. Well, so the mission is the story of a team of scientists and engineers who spent 20 years trying to get um, a spacecraft to Europa, which is Jupiter's ocean moon. Uh, There's three times more liquid salt water on Europa than there is on Earth. So if there's anywhere in the solar system that's likely to have life beyond here, it's there. Um, Interestingly, uh, Perseverance, which at the time was called Mars 2020, and before that had had a less interesting name, um, that was one of the missions that actually killed the Europa mission. So a big part of my book is the story of how this mission that just landed, uh, the Perseverance rover, how it came out on top, and how missions compete internally at NASA for support, for funding, and eventually for flight. Um, so if you want the inside story of, of Perseverance, um, y- you, you actually have to know the story of Europa. Oh, this is great. Uh, I... I I wish the book had been released exactly on this day because I think we would have gotten quite a <laughs> quite a publicity hit. Well, yeah. Well, the mission, if people wanted to look it up, I'm assuming uh, Amazon, places like that, or is there another great website for them to go to? Of course. Um, the books should be available. The mission should be available at bookstores everywhere. Your local bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, airport bookstore, um, they sell it. They've got it. Likewise, the library. I always tell people, just request it at the library. they got to order a copy, too. 
Um, but you shouldn't have any difficulty getting it. It's also available for e-readers, e uh, Kindles, and so on. Great. And audiobook. <laughs> oh, cool. Who voiced the audiobook? Pardon? Did you voice the audiobook? Oh, no. I've got a weird southern voice that <laughs> nobody would want to hear for, you know, 18 hours. Um, a, an extraordinary performer named uh, J.D. Jackson uh, read the book. And uh, I actually listened to it for the first time uh, last week. And I was just blown away. It was, it was, it felt like somebody else's book because you've you've written this thing, but somebody else is performing it. And I, I was deeply moved by the experience. I thought it was a great, a great job. It is really difficult to do that, and in, in uh, at an elite level, be someone that could read someone else's work like that, uh, narrate a novel or a book or anything and make it sound convincing it's it's when you find the right person it is it brings you chills i'm guessing when you hear your work brought to life like that it, absolutely and it was interesting that his cadence in places is not how i it's not what i imagined in my head but was in fact better so <laughs> he, he certainly made me sound better than i think i am <laughs> so people can find the mission online local bookstores request it from st louis public library here uh david w brown is the author and what a great day for space exploration and nasa's perseverance mars rover thank you so much for coming on and talking about it today on kmox thank you very much for having me i hope i can come back soon and he joins us on the bomberito automotive group guest line this is overnight america kmox now back to overnight america on kmox Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Thanks again for sticking with us tonight on Overnight America. I'm so into everything that went into that Mars Perseverance landing today. It was just fun to watch. I took my nap. <laughs> I do take a daytime nap, which is great. Whenever we've had, uh, see, look at me, I'm getting on all kinds of side bar comments anyway but whenever we've had sleep experts on the show they always say well you should have seven uninterrupted hours of sleep eight if you can but if you have to break them up that's fine as long as you're getting the amount of hours so i have to break them up it's just the way it works so i scheduled my nap around watching this i woke up it was perfect i had the ability to sit back relax we uh, pop some popcorn my family and i watched the Mars landing on television. My son was really into it. He asked all kinds of great questions about Mars and space and what goes on. And I said, we're going to have to watch Apollo 13. We're going to have to watch that Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> My wife looked at me and said, he's not ready for that. And I thought, no, it's a, it's a pretty tame movie. Was it rated PG or PG 13? Apollo 13 movie. I, I'm going to guess it was PG. Um, Let's see. PG. I don't know if he would like it or not. It might be too suspenseful for him. But the nice thing was he was asking the questions and he's got this little toy that's called Dash. And it's meant to teach kids about computer programming where you have this little robot that can correspond with an app on your phone or an iPad or something. And you give it a series of commands to follow. And the goal for you is to get it to do what you want it to do. So if you want Dash to you know, go up about five feet, turn, go around, dance, flash lights, and then knock something over is the objective, whatever it is. You program the thing to do that, and it's a lot of trial and error. And I explained to him, kind of like you playing with this little toy, 
is exactly what they're doing with about two and a half billion dollars worth of equipment on Mars right now. That's essentially the same thing that's going on. So if you have interest in this, the things that you're learning now, the things that you like, they can transfer over. You can understand those things. You know who doesn't believe in Mars is Bill Gates. So there's an article that's out from NDTV. Bill Gates and Elon Musk have a complicated relationship, they say. It uh, says, well, it's important to say that Elon, uh, what Elon did with Tesla is one of the greatest contributions to climate change anyone's ever made. And, you know, underestimating Elon is not a good idea. So then he went on to say um, the hard stuff, um, basically saying, admitting he's not a Mars person. I don't get the Mars thing. I get the cars, get the solar panels, eh, not so much trying to deal with the Mars. And you know what? I don't find myself wanting to go to Mars, but man, I love the idea that one day we're going to have someone there and it's going to be in my lifetime and I'm going to be able to witness this. It's going to be really remarkable. I missed out on those Apollo missions when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon for the first time. That's amazing. Broadcast live to the world. And there, many people listening tonight were in their living rooms as a child watching this on the black and white set. It was, it really was an amazing moment in American history. Very very much uh, take a lot of pride in our country in a moment like that, that we were able to accomplish that. And still all the different missions afterwards, pretty amazing. Some things that weren't uh, as great, some failures, but we look at the way we found our way, continuing to move and press on to the way we are today. I want to be able to experience that with Mars. I want to be able to sit with my kid and watch it and tear up to think there we are. There's an American planting a flag on the planet. It's amazing to even think about it. All right. So Kevin Klein's got a whole nother story here. I'm always a big fan of Kevin, Kevin Klein's work. And one of the things he's bringing up here, it's hard for me to relate because during the winter, I don't ever think about driving through a car wash, but it brings back some memories for sure. The road salt on my car is so bad. The other morning I looked out the window and saw a deer in the driveway licking the bumper. When I was young and quick, I would go to one of those places where you can put in five or six quarters to wash your car. You have to be fast, rushing around to foam it up and then rinse it before the time runs out. This can be very exciting if you make the deadline, but if you have to put in more quarters or if your shoes get wet, you feel awful. The next step up in car washology is the drive-through car wash. It's uh, not that cheap. It's about six bucks. But it can be very relaxing. And for young parents, how many of us have taken a car wash late at night because of a crying baby? It can be the only thing sometimes to get them to fall asleep. But for the adult, it also feels claustrophobic. The windows are blocked by foam. You have no point of reference. You're just moving mysteriously forward. What if you come out the other end and you're in a completely different world? That's right. What if you come out the other end and it's... One million years B.C. You'd be the only one around with a working car. The road conditions would be very limited. One million years B.C. And no quick trips. And the mountains fell. The highest level car wash going is the kind where you get out of your car and you watch it go through. 
This is the fancy one, very adult. You feel like a dad with Vitalis in his hair and wingtips. You had a plenty money, 1922. And you're standing there with the others in the hallway. Everybody has their coat on and it's warm. And you watch your individual car moving through the line. And you look out at it as if that's you. All your faults are being cleansed away. The, the dirt on the bumpers, the salt on the fenders, the foam rinses it away. And then it comes out the other end with a team of crackerjack young attendants. They spring into action with rags buffing up the chrome. They'll even armor all the tires if you let them. But it'll cost you. Get out of here. You can't just tip them with an old can of Campbell's soup from your trunk. You gotta flash the cash. A dirty car coated with salt is an indictment this time of year, and we all want to be found innocent. The car wash industry takes in millions of bucks every winter because our cars are a reflection of us. And it makes me feel good about me to see that my car is temporarily clean again. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. son loves car washes at first you know like every other kid they're hesitant and they uh, get a little bit scared but man he loves it so anytime we drive by a car wash he'll say hey if the line's not long can we go through it and sometimes i do it during the summer i don't normally do it during the winter i tell him that well i don't want the water to freeze on my car so we're not going through and that excuse seems to work for the most part uh one day he'll catch wise to me and realize that it's not a great excuse but still I just don't want to uh, to do it, but I do enjoy it. I never have been to a car wash where you can stand outside the car and you can watch it as it goes through the window. I thought that was just something for television shows. Uh, is that popular in some areas? Is that popular here in St. Louis? I, I just don't see it, honestly. Nor would I uh, feel comfortable getting out of my car and watching it from a distance. I have too much control issues over my vehicle to even let my wife drive it, let alone let it go through this automated car wash. Yeah, right. One more hour of Overnight America coming up. We'll uh, take some of your calls. We do have another guest scheduled next hour, too. It's Overnight America, KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 